The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode 42 of Some Assembly Required, your weekly adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This week, we are taking a look at Avengers number 39, The Torment and the Triumph. This issue is written by Roy Thomas, pencils by Don Heck, once again, inks by George Bell, and letters by Art Simic, and it comes to us in April of 1967. And it's worth noting that, once again, we have an Irving Forbush credit as Dog Catcher. Starting off with our cover, I really like it. You have Hercules front and center, and as the newest addition to this book, and more or less to our team, I think it's fitting that we have a Hercules-centric cover, and that he's very front, center, and heroic looking. And we see Herc here taking on the Mad Thinker's Triumvirate of Terror, which, as you will see, is one of the worst groups of villains ever assembled. And to my understanding, this is the only assembly of the Triumvirate of Terror ever. But to start off, our issue is a bit more melancholy in that we see Hawkeye with a newspaper that says Black Widow, a traitor? Question mark. Hawkeye is understandably distraught at this news. Not only did Hawkeye get his heart broken and stomped on in front of the rest of his teammates last issue, but Black Widow said she was going back behind the bamboo curtain. And now in this issue, we get a little bit more explanation as to what's going on. Now, obviously, you and I, the readers, understand that Black Widow was doing whatever she does here as a directive from Nick Fury. Again, Black Widow being recently converted to the side of the Americans had volunteered her skills and abilities to shield in order to prove her worth to her new country. So as the Avengers investigate what's going on here, we have several panels of Scarlet Witch reading the newspaper that Hawkeye was holding. And it's a really cool thing they do here as they go through the news story. Scarlet Witch is reading the news story and we get her narrations. We see the actions and we actually get the dialogue as if it were happening in real time for us. So the short answer of what happens is that Black Widow breaks into a top secret defense facility in Arizona and steals plans for a submarine. Now, what the Avengers don't realize is that the plans for the submarine that Black Widow stole are in fact obsolete and that this is all a setup by Nick Fury in order to figure out what's going on behind the bamboo curtain. And we see Nick Fury speaking momentarily with Dum Dum Dugan, uh, as well as a brief appearance by Agent Jasper Sitwell, in which Fury and Dugan briefly outline their plan. At which point, we cut back to Avengers Mansion, and we find Hercules getting ready to work out. Because, you know, Hercules. Big feats of strength and muscle are kind of his thing, so working out, I'm sure, helps clear his head. And given that he is now facing a year's banishment to Earth, he probably has a lot on his mind. And in fact, we see that while Hercules is working out, he's enjoying himself, but he flashes back to one of the 12 labors of Hercules, stealing the mares of Diomedes. And Herc basically says, this is fine what I'm doing right now, but I kind of miss those great heroic legendary 
very feats that I performed in the past. It really gave me purpose. And as he's doing this, he inadvertently destroys the workout equipment that he's using, destroys, in this case, Goliath's equipment. And while this is happening, the doorbell rings, Hercules goes and answers it, and it's a package for Hercules. And we'll see what's in that package in a minute, though there's a great part here where the delivery kid was really hoping for an Avengers autograph or something, and instead he just meets Hercules, who doesn't even give him a tip. Now, I really like the whole part here where Hercules reminisces about the labors of Hercules and the way he does it. It's very fondly remembered as an adventure that he got to go on and something fantastical that he did. I think it really helps sell the fact that he is, in fact, Hercules. I also really like the fact that they chose one of the, I would say, lesser-known labors of Hercules. There are several labors that are more well-known than others. Fighting the Nemean Lion, or fighting the Hydra, or even cleaning out the Augean stables in a single day. All of those are really the better-known ones of Hercules' labors. Certainly none of the labors are obscure, but at the same time, there are others that are more closely associated in the popular lexicon, in the general cultural knowledge when it comes to Greek mythology. So while Herc is getting his unknown delivery, we see Hawkeye out, not really on patrol. He's kind of on a mission, though. He's looking for some of the less reputable characters with whom he used to associate with before becoming an Avenger in the hopes that he might be able to find out some information about Black Widow. And we've seen Hawkeye do something similar before when he got in fights with the Avengers and, and needed to blow off some steam. He would go, in that case, out on patrol, but he would go out to the streets and take some time to gather himself and I like the consistency that this scene helps provide keeping in mind what Hawkeye has done in the past and how he's chosen to work through his issues then as well as now. As Hawkeye is looking for some of his old acquaintances, we are finally introduced to the primary villain of this issue, and that is the Mad Thinker. So the Mad Thinker is typically a Fantastic Four villain, originally appearing in Fantastic Four number 15, and not a whole lot is known about his past. But in general, it's pretty mysterious, and we don't actually know his full name, only his first name, that of Julius. But in general, the Mad Thinker's MO, if you will, is to manipulate things behind the scenes in order to get a particular outcome. And that's exactly what he is trying to do here. Much like we saw Doctor Doom try and do in issue number 25, the Mad Thinker has determined that the best way for him to intimidate the Fantastic Four to show his seriousness for defeating the Fantastic Four is to kill the Avengers. And with Captain America gone, because he's still off fighting against the Red Skull in his own title, this seems like the best time to enact his plan. And unfortunately, unbeknownst to Hawkeye, he is about to walk into the Mad Thinker's ambush, the Mad Thinker's plan. Now, I do say unbeknownst to Hawkeye, he doesn't actually know what's going on, but he suspects something is up. So as Hawkeye is walking down the alley looking for his former fence, he hears someone crying for help, crashes into a warehouse, only to be ambushed by a 
a man in a costume calling himself Hammerhead. And his headgear looks very much like the head of a hammer. Not so much like the claw and uh, striking surface, really just the, the part you hit the nail with, kind of turned vertical. Now, as this happens, though, Hawkeye has, I don't want to call it a premonition, but he's got a gut feeling that something's up. But he convinces himself that this couldn't possibly be an ambush because nobody knows he's here. Now, in my line of work and in my experience, whenever you get a feeling like that, you should really trust it because it's really your gut looking out for you. But in this case, Hawkeye talks himself out of it and is in fact ambushed. So Hammerhead is the first of the three villains that we will be introduced to that make up the triumvirate rid of terror. And like I mentioned before, they are absolutely god-awful villains. They are just terrible. They are extremely one-dimensional, extremely forgettable. In general, I have a very difficult time believing they could beat the Avengers. I understand that they have the mad thinker behind them, and he's helping give them insight into the Avengers' powers and weaknesses. At the same time, these guys strike me as so bumblingly incompetent that even with a very clear how-to, step-by-step this is how you beat the Avengers, they should be screwing this up. Nevertheless, after almost three full pages of fighting, Hammerhead manages to take out Hawkeye, in part because he is distracted by a vision of the Mad Thinker. Now, as we'll see later, the rest of the Triumvirate of Terror, and apparently the Mad Thinker, have the ability to teleport at will. Some kind of invention, I assume, from the Mad Thinker. So, the Mad Thinker's appearance behind Hawkeye, I think was intended to be a teleportation, but instead it's played off as Hammerhead creating an audio and visual illusion to distract Hawkeye. And it's just very weird that a villain like Hammerhead would have this ability, use it as a one-off, and that's it. I think it's far more likely here that it was intended for the Mad Thinker to have teleported in to distract Hawkeye, and then there was some crossed wires, if you will, between Roy Thomas and Don Heck here. So while Hawkeye is now at the mercy of the Mad Thinker and Hammerhead, a very dapper-dressed Hercules, having received his brand new suit in the aforementioned delivery, makes his way to a Polynesian-themed club and is the talk of really the entire, all-female apparently, serving staff. And Hercules is enjoying himself. And again, something we haven't really touched on, but if you've read Hercules' appearance in Journey into Mystery, in Thor, Hercules is a bit of a party animal. Hercules likes to have a good time. So this kind of place seems like a, a fun, lively environment with a lot of attractive women is probably Hercules' kind of place. Now, of course, one Avenger is not nearly good enough for the Mad Thinker, and so he is working to get the rest of the Avengers, or I should say his plan is unfolding to bring the rest of the Avengers to him. Using the Avengers alert that he presumably got from Hawkeye, the Mad Thinker sends out what is termed as an Avengers Blue alert. Now, apparently, over the time the team has been together, they've developed a series of various levels of alertness. So, in this case, a Blue alert only requires two Avengers to respond. I presume that there are other higher levels that require the whole team to respond, but in this case only two other Avengers is adequate based on the alert. So 
Wasp and Goliath decide to take this alert and they head off to figure out where Hawkeye is, where this alert is coming from. And there's a great little bit here that I enjoy because Goliath and Wasp have decided to take a single jet scooter and Goliath makes a remark about it being inconvenient and Wasp then makes a joke at his expense about it being romantic. And I really like it because it's very emblematic of their relationship. They do care very much for each other. They love each other at this point. But Goliath is a giant nerd, lacking in social skills, and Wasp is very much not. Now, when they arrive at the source of the signal, they discover that it is a, I don't want to say abandoned, but it's an empty construction site. Right? It's evening time, so nobody's at this site working. And as they land, they are very suddenly attacked by a steam shovel. The pair attempt to escape. Wasp is shaken and stunned a bit, such that she needs a little bit of time to change into her Wasp form to be able to escape. For those of you who don't know, a lot of times in New York, construction sites, especially for bigger buildings, actually start off as really kind of an excavation. So Goliath and Wasp are probably one or more stories below street level. They're, they're actually in a fairly sizable hole where this construction work is going on. So it's not as easy as, as it might appear for them to just leave the construction site. They've actually got to get themselves up and out of this hole in order to do so. And I really like this scene because, you know, in the past at times, especially since they've rejoined the team, we've seen Goliath be protective of Wasp in somewhat unnecessary manners, right? He gets very defensive, he gets very protective, but it's more out of jealousy or out of control. This is Goliath legitimately protecting Wasp from a very real and present threat. This is very, for lack of a better term, heroic. And it again demonstrates that there is this relationship between these two characters and that even though Hank Pym has his problems, he does care very deeply for Wasp and he he is willing to put his life on the line in order to protect her, especially when it really comes down to that kind of thing. Now, of course, Hank Pym, being the brilliant man that he is, is able to outsmart whomever is driving this steam shovel, gets the steam shovel to come up on an embankment, wedges a beam or a large board of some kind underneath it, and flips the steam shovel over. At which point, the second of our triumvirate of terror shows up, man by the name of Pile Driver. So instead, where Hammerhead had the big hammer-shaped hat, Pile Driver has these really bulky-looking gloves. One of the things I also failed to mention about Hammerhead is that he's in a white jumpsuit and Hammerhead had green trim, green boots, green gloves with a giant H on his chest. Pile Driver here has the same thing but in red with a P on his chest. So not only are these guys lame, they look stupid. And thanks to his gloves, whatever their power is, it's a little unclear other than they seem to be able to smash things and make shockwaves. You don't think actually kind of remind me of like a weaponized version of the toy Hulk hands that people have. That's really what these are, is he basically has an early version of toy Hulk hands that actually do the things that you would pretend toy Hulk hands had. And as a result, eventually he is able to take out Goliath. So now the Mad Thinker has three Avengers. But wait, there's more. Because of course, there are still two more Avengers. Now, before we go to our other two Avengers, we once again quickly cut to Hercules back at the Happy Island, which is the name of the club. I forgot that it was named Happy Island. It's just so fitting. And Hercules has gotten up and he is playing the guitar and singing. He is 
is putting on a folk rock show, if you will. Now, I looked into mythology and any connection with Hercules and music, and the one interesting thing I found is that Hercules first discovered his powers, his super strength, while taking lute lessons from Linus. And what happened was that Hercules became so frustrated with his lesson that he stood up and smashed his lute over Linus's head killing Linus. Now, first off, I really like the fact that there's this little tie-in to Hercules's past into mythology with Hercules and the music. The other thing I really like, and this is a little bit more headcanon for me, but I like the idea of Hercules continuing his music lessons, learning how as a way to remember and honor his music teacher that he had killed. Although Hercules did it in frustration, this wasn't a malicious act. He didn't intentionally kill Linus. He had no concept of his strength at that point in time. So, yes, it was an accident, but I also feel like Hercules doesn't want to forget, right? And this is his way of remembering and honoring. Again, it also plays into Hercules as a party animal, right? Everyone knows that guy who, at a party, will break out a guitar. And especially if you're in college, suddenly there's, you know, all kinds of people flocking around him because, hey, that guy's got a guitar and he's playing music. That's kind of what's going on here. Now, two people who aren't flocking to Hercules are Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Because back in Avengers Mansion, once again, villains have appeared inside the mansion and are attacking the Avengers. I cannot stress enough how much the Avengers need a better security system. Tony Stark is no longer cutting it. These guys need ADT. They need that little, like, invisible blue thing in the commercials that, like, goes around the house and protects the whole thing. That's what they need. Because obviously whatever is going on here is not doing it. The Avengers had Hercules and Enchantress show up last issue. Right? We haven't even had an issue since the last time somebody dropped in unannounced on the Avengers. I mean, put up a fence or something. Anything's gotta help at this point, right? Okay, I'm calm now. Getting back to our issue, the Mad Thinker and the third of our Triumvirate of Terror appear in Avengers Mansion, and the third member of the Triumvirate is absolutely the worst. Hammerhead was dumb, Piledriver was slightly dumber, but hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen. Let me introduce you to Thunder Boots. That's right, this guy has giant bulky boots that he slams on the ground and creates shockwaves. That is it. This guy is really dumb. And you know, I'll be honest, I would actually accept him as being less dumb if he were named something other than Thunderboots, because that is just the absolute worst. And once again, Thunderboots is dressed similar to his fellow triumvirates, except this time he is trimmed in blue. Now, to be fair, Thunderboots fighting against Quicksilver actually kind of works, because as Quicksilver is running at full speed, Thunderboots smashes his foot down, creates a shockwave, which slows down and momentarily stuns Quicksilver, at which point Thunderboots is able to kick Quicksilver in the chest and take him out of the picture. Again, I'd like to point out we have our pattern emerging again. Quicksilver engages, gets stunned or injured in some fashion, and then Scarlet Witch jumps into action. Here's the point at which Thunderboots gets even more dumb than I originally pointed out, in that somehow his shockwave is able to cause a feedback loop in Scarlet Witch's powers. Her powers cause a panel behind her to explode, and therefore she is taken out. I understand in superheroics there's a fair amount of suspension of disbelief. But then there's this. And I just kind of have to scratch my head and move on in the book, because even in the context of 
superhero comics. This doesn't really work, doesn't really make sense. So we're just going to leave it there. But at this point, the Mad Thinker has all of the Avengers. Not only that, but in addition to wanting to kill the Avengers to intimidate the Fantastic Four, the Mad Thinker also wants access to all of Tony Stark's various technology. Because again, remember, Avengers Mansion was Tony Stark's home before he donated it to the Avengers. So it's full of all kinds of really cool Tony Stark inventions that the Mad Thinker wants. And speaking of Tony Stark inventions, the Mad Thinker has the Avengers tied up onto a giant electro rod. And according to his plans, now is the perfect time to kill the Avengers. So throughout the issue, the Mad Thinker keeps talking about his projections between, you know, obviously his computer and himself. And he is he calculated at these perfect times to conduct these various events and he reaches the perfect time to kill the Avengers and he decides no I'm gonna wait even though all I have to do is throw a switch I'm gonna wait because I want to savor this moment unfortunately for the mad thinker savoring that moment is probably the last thing he should have done because as he is enjoying himself and his moment in walks Hercules now throughout this entire issue the mad thinker keeps talking about how he has to deal with five Avengers because Captain America's gone. And he says five Avengers repeatedly. So it's very apparent that the Mad Thinker has absolutely no idea that Hercules is with the Avengers. So when Hercules walks through the door, suddenly everything is thrown out of whack. And the Triumvirate of Terror do attempt to engage Hercules, but let's be honest, these are three guys in costumes with kind of, well, not very good tech, not very good equipment. So Hercules, who is the Prince of Power, who is a demigod, makes really quick work of the Triumvirate of Terror. Couple that with the fact that apparently the Mad Thinker failed to take into account Goliath's recently reinvigorated ability to shrink to ant size has allowed the Avengers to free themselves while Hercules is doing battle with the triumvirate so at this point the triumvirate is forced to face all five avengers plus hercules like i said hercules was already pretty much mopping the floor with these guys so without the mad thinkers plan and facing the entire avengers squad it doesn't go well now pretty much every time we've come across something like this i've talked about how in comics it is much better to show than tell what happens here is that we see all of the Avengers yell, Avengers assemble. Hercules seconds the sentiment, though doesn't join him in the Avengers assemble cry. And then we cut to a panel that is outside of Avengers Mansion with a bunch of very cartoony sound effects. And then we cut back to Avengers Mansion and the Triumvirate of Terror have been completely defeated. Again, generally speaking, I would have a problem with this. But the way it's done here is so very Saturday morning cartoon, like Looney Tunes cartoon, that I absolutely love it. It's just spectacular. Because you see the Avengers charging in and it's like the camera pans away so that the action's off screen and then you just see the sound effects coming onto screen and you can just imagine the crashing and the noise and the commotion that's coming and then you cut back and the avengers are just kind of kicking back a little bit and saying all right well that was good 
and I, I really enjoy the way that's done. It's very comical. The other great part about this scene outside of its general execution is the fact that Hercules doesn't actually join in the Avengers Assemble cry. Right At this point, Hercules is not officially a member of the team, but this is some great foreshadowing to Hercules becoming a member of the team because he seconds their sentiment, and it's very obvious that, in general, Hercules shares the same spirit as the rest of the team. So his inclusion later on in the book is a fairly logical progression from where we're at right now. Now, unfortunately for the Avengers, the mad thinker managed to escape and once again he begins new projections because he failed to take into account the presence of an immortal but the mad thinker will not make the same mistake twice and that's where we will end our issue so there's a number of things i really love about this issue first off is the number of allusions to classic art and literature in this issue are just spectacular they're amazing throughout the issue the thinker is constantly sitting in what we typically refer to as the thinker position where he's leaning forward with his elbow on his knee and his chin on his fist very much the position of the classic Rodin sculpture of the the same name the thinker obviously this is a very intentional art choice but it's things like that that help give these comics added depth and help try and connect kids in the 1960s to the world at large again keeping in mind that at this point kids really still are the focal audience for these comics so I like the fact that Marvel is trying to help broaden their horizons right the inclusion of Hercules, the references to actual mythology. Again, the Triumvirate of Terror is just disastrously painfully bad. They don't make a whole lot of sense within the context of the story. They are entirely one-dimensional, and I'm really kind of flabbergasted that the Mad Thinker's plan actually worked with these morons executing it. I'm somewhat beside myself on that one. The Triumvirate of Terror really kind of remind me of some of the characters we get in the mid to late 90s that really have, again, no perceivable depth. The only thing missing from the Triumvirate of Terror is the quote-unquote extreme elements of 90s comic characters. Now, speaking of villains, I like the Mad Thinker as a villain, but what I would prefer to see him do, other than just relying on these projections, is to constantly be tweaking and adjusting his predictions to account for slight variations in actual events. It becomes very clear that he is relying far too heavily on these predictions and not adjusting as things happen. I think a character like the Mad Thinker, because he is so dependent on thinking and accounting for everything, I think he would realize that you can't address every variable in advance or that one variable may cause changes in another and so that you have to continuously adjust. So I I would like to see that in the villain. But otherwise, I enjoy the Mad Thinker and I also really like the way Don Heck draws him in this issue. A lot of times he has an almost Neanderthal look to him and I really don't like that. It doesn't seem to fit the character. The other way he's drawn, he tends to be far more how do I want to put it insane looking shall we say hair's kind of crazy eyes are very wide and kind of wild and I don't think that works particularly well either in this issue he gives off an air of intelligence and confidence in his plan and he is extremely focused you look at his eyes and you can tell he's deep in thought he's deep in sinister thought but he's deep in thought and I really like the look of him in this issue 
Remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, send your questions and comments to Andrew at AvengersAssembly.com. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Avengers number 40, Suddenly, The Submariner. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. Have you ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it.